0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the No Vertical Podcast. your hosts, Alex and Billy. Uh, This is going to be a very interesting podcast since two of our teams actually played each other this week in Buffalo versus Syracuse. Uh, We're going to break down both of their performances in that game at the Dome, and then we're going to head into Buffalo's insane game last night against Marquette. And then from there, we're going to take it to Queens, New York, and break down a little bit of what's going on with St. John's at the moment. All right, so to start it all off, that Buffalo-Cuse game at, at the Dome is kind of even being overshadowed this week, I'd say, uh, compared to what they did with Marquette in Milwaukee last night. Um, but let, let's get into that first game uh, that occurred at the Dome against Syracuse. Alex, did that go how you were
1: thinking it was going to go? Um, well, having been at the game, like physically at the game itself, uh, it was a really good experience just to see – how the UB fan base turned out there was a eight, There was over 18,000 people at the Dome that night so both teams had a really big show out of fans which was awesome but that being said the game I wasn't expecting Syracuse to come away with a win I was hoping they would come away with a win but it wasn't something that I thought was a guarantee um, <clears throat> I think that Because I knew UB's firepower and the way that they're able to hit shots, I had a feeling that at some point or another that was just going to be too much for Syracuse to try to match up with. But the beginning of that game, the first half of that game, was a very impressive show out from Syracuse. And I think that the consistency that they showed in the first half was very exciting for me to see see that they can do that. Even with Tyus Battle not playing well whatsoever, yeah, and you, you
0: mentioned that first half. I mean, Syracuse—that was probably one of their best offensive halves that I've Absolutely. seen them play at least this year. Um, but UB, you know, they have that senior-laden squad. So just because you have one good half against that team, doesn't really, you know, mean anything because they're going to hang around and they're going to they're going to claw at you every way they can. Um, going back to that first half, though, uh, I really, I really think that, you know, UB was a little taken back. I don't think they, they expected Cuse to, you know, be able to shoot that well because up until that game, Syracuse had been lacking offensively, especially from the three point line. Right. So initially, they were hitting shots, and I think that kind of took UB off guard for a second. Um, but they hung in there, and I think it was, you know, definitely a testament to the the blue collar work effort that that team has that NATO mm-hmm. instills in them, um, you know the defense behind Carruthers and uh, Jordan and even Harris. You know Harris's defense was huge with some of those steals in that game. I think that really just just put on display that hey, Buffalo's defense can come to play with you know the great defense that Syracuse has. Right. Um, you know, watching that game, I definitely thought that. There were some definitely shining moments for Syracuse, especially in Frank Howard and Mm -hmm. at Carey. You know, I think they both had great games, especially Hughes as well. I'm looking at the box
1: score. Yeah, Elijah Hughes played big in that game. Hit some really big shots in the first half and early in the second half, but, you know, just wasn't sustainable without Ty's battle. And uh, as you said, they just did a really good job Containing him and not letting him get open and not letting him free himself up for shots like he's used to doing. So they played a lot more. They paid a lot more attention to really shutting him down more so than I think other teams have done this year. I agree. And one big takeaway, though, I think that was huge in this
0: game was getting Chukwu in a little bit of foul trouble and being able to get him out of the game. I think he played Mm. less than 20 minutes the entire Mm -hmm. game. Um, that was huge because it allowed UB to get that giant rebounding advantage on the glass, right? And, and
1: take somebody out of the lane. That's a real big shot, able to alter shots and not allow them to really score easy at the bucket too. Exactly, and you know,
0: even though Nick Perkins, you know, wasn't having the greatest game offensively, I think he only shot like three for ten. His presence was still felt down low in the way he was able to get the rebounds, absolutely. And even just you know having that big body down there and even coming up to the post to try and break that zone, I think did, did wonders for that UB team. And it kind of threw Syracuse a little out of whack because they didn't have an answer for him. And, you know, like you mentioned battle, you you know, when, when you are the elite player on the team, like Tyus battle is, it doesn't matter if you're having a bad game, you can't kind of, you know, fall asleep on the court. You can't go away and not be present at all. You know, you need to get, Involved in some way, shape, or form, whether that's getting rebounds, getting assists, getting your teammates involved. You know, they got Brissett involved in this game. But, you know, he I don't think he is the player that can carry a team like Battle can. No, and, absolutely not. And I think that that hurt them in the long run because I think Battle really, you know, he wasn't expecting to be hounded by Carruthers and hounded by Jordan the entire game. And I think eventually that, that's what broke use in this one. And mm-hmm. allowed UB to pick up the win. Yeah, I would agree with
1: that for sure.
0: And I mean, I'm not, I'm not putting down Brissett. I mean, the guy logged a, a double double, but that's just not his role.
1: You know? Right? Yeah, O'Shea Brissett's a a very athletic player and a very good rebounder. He's probably our best rebounder on the entire team, as he showed in that game. He got some really clutch rebounds throughout the game, but overall, he's ties but. Ty's Battle's offensive game is so much more refined and so much more skill-based than purely athletic-based, right now at least. Um, it's hard to say that O'Shea Brissett is just as dominant for that team as Ty's Battle should be. Yeah, and I mean,
0: this this game came down to, uh, to pretty much C.J. Massenburg taking over at the end there, mm-hmm. and... Pretty much imposing his will. And really I think, you know, the crowd, like you mentioned, there was a lot of cheering for UB and I think that kind of threw Syracuse off a little bit.
1: Yeah, they had a big show out. It wasn't really like a true road game because of how close and proximity of the two schools are together. Yeah, and like you mentioned, I mean I,
0: I know you were with a lot of our buddies who are who are Buffalo fans, especially Dave Brunetti, who's been on the podcast, right? So, so that must have been, you know, a, a real odd sight to see,
1: especially for faithful Orange fans. Um, yeah, I was in the I was in the teeth of the UB fan section, and they were really, really getting getting after it. So, yeah, and I, I think coming back to it, the big takeaways from this game is that,
0: you know, like always, Cuse needs to figure out their offense. They need to run a full game, a full 40 minutes the way they did that first half. Mm-hmm. And until they get that together, I don't know really what to make of the Syracuse team.
1: Yeah, I would agree. They just need to show more consistency throughout a game and they need to show more offensive firepower than they have in previous games. So I think that if, if they do that, they'll be okay. But this year isn't looking very good, with especially with how well the ACC is playing and how aggressive and how Dominant each team has been offensively. It's just going to be hard for Syracuse to really match up to each of the teams in the ACC that are looking like dominant teams, you know? Yeah,
0: I, I agree with you completely. And one one of my big takeaways, though, that I think if Syracuse is going to turn the season around and it, it's still a very early season, you know, you have 20 games in the ACC to make a case for yourself. I think they have to not rush those three-point shots early in the shot clock because Mm -hmm. I think in the first half, it looked great. The ball movement was there. They were getting good looks. I liked the threes that they were taking, and they were falling. The second half, I did notice they were shooting way too quick into that shot clock and not taking good shots. You know, they were contested. And that's not to say that, you know, Buffalo has a great defense. They're going to contest a lot of your shots. But if if you're not getting that three – and you're a team that statistically this year hasn't hit the three, you have to look for other ways to score, and I think that's a big aspect. If Beheim can get the team to adjust in those situations, I think they'll be able to get it together, but this team kind of, to me, has last year's team written all over it, and I don't think that was the expectation coming into this year. Absolutely. You know, you don't want to... There's a lot of talent on this Q team, and I think Dolajay he was a big player down the stretch for Syracuse last year and he hasn't really been there this year. And I I mean, I don't think he was expected to do what he did last year, but when you had a guy who, you know, gave those kind of minutes last year, gave that kind of effort. And then this year he's kind of regressing, you know, it's, it's kind of disappointing to see, especially because this team had so much promise coming to the year. You know, they were ranked what 16, I think to start the season. Um, so, I don't know. I think that they're kind of underperforming at this point in my yeah, opinion. Yeah,
1: and I would I would agree with that. I think that he's just gotten a lot less minutes than he got last year and that's probably mostly because of the emergence of Elijah Hughes. Um they had they didn't really have anybody last year on their bench that was going to be a big-time performer for them, but now they have Elijah Hughes, who has been playing very consistently, he's probably played the most consistently throughout the season. Um, and I think that that's really cutting into Mirac time. But still, I think Behan could use him in different ways than he has been using him, and we'll see if that is something that he chooses to do throughout the season. I agree. I agree. So moving on,
0: Buffalo Marquette. I mean, I was at the edge of my seat watching that game, especially in the first half.
1: Yeah, it was a good game. You
0: know, like, uh, I still can't believe, obviously, the performance of Marcus Howard.
1: That it, Yeah, that's just on another level.
0: I mean, let's entirely. just get that out of the way right now. You know, the kid scored 40 points in the second half of the game. The first half, he wasn't really in it. Foul trouble kept him out, wasn't shooting well, had five turnovers. The second half, I mean, the kid ended the night with 9 for 13 from 3. He had five rebounds, four assists, and he only had one turnover in the second half. I
1: right. mean, that, and, that at, and at one point, he scored 24 straight points for that team. That's just insane. And it, the the crazy aspect of this, UB didn't
0: fall asleep defensively. No. That, that is the wildest part, I think, about last night, was that UB, Carruthers was still on him. He was still trying to smother him like he does in every game. And Har- Howard was just shooting over him from deep, too. It, he was... Taking shots, you know, four mm-hmm. four feet away from the three point line, which yeah. you know everyone can do now in in college, but right. contested. That was the wildest aspect of that, and you know it, it shows that he's a confident scorer. And when he's hot, he's hot. I heard I've watched a few games this year where you know he was cold and it was you know not <laughs> not a great game to watch. Sure, right. But it, he just took over that game like unlike really anyone else I've seen
1: Buffalo play this year. Yeah, that was definitely their biggest challenge to date. And they it really shows how much a dominant offensive performer can change a team. And Marcus Howard is that in spades. Like, he played amazing last night. And, I mean, another takeaway, UB still put up 85
0: points. Right. And I think that's getting overlooked here. You know, uh Harris had his best game of the year, in my opinion. He shot incredible. He looked like the Harris of previous years, you know. Mm-hmm. Um he was getting things going on defense as well. And and Carruthers too. Carruthers came off the bench, scored twenty points, three rebounds, had a block and a steal. Jordan flirted with a triple double. Um, you know, CJ, despite you know, not having the best game, still ended up with eighteen four and four. Right. You know, I mean, this team had a great game, and I think that's getting overshadowed by the fact that, you know, Howard had a freak performance. Um, but one thing that I will take away, and I think that it, it's important to note, is that UB's rebounding wasn't there. You know, they got out-rebounded by 14 on the glass, and Marquette took well advantage of those offensive rebounds that they were getting. Sure. Uh, from the Hauser brothers as well as Theo John, who I think had like six blocks in that game. Um, so they were definitely making their presence known on the glass as well as you know turning away the drive. That didn't stop UB from driving, um, but the presence was there. And I think that if UB would have focused a little bit more on getting those rebounds, I think it would have been a closer game. But I really honestly don't even think they would have won had they cut that margin down significantly. Right. Um, the Hauser brothers were really just unstoppable as well from three. I think they shot a combined seven of 10 from, from deep and you know, they were closing out on them too as well from three, but the Hauser brothers, they're around six, nine ish I want to say. Mm-hmm. So they they were just draining them over the U- UB smaller guards. You know, it wasn't, they couldn't get up in their face enough. So you know, it, overall, I'd say it was still a good performance from Buffalo. They showed that they could, they weren't going to go away right. for the most of that game. And I think that, you know, comes back down to the senior laden team that they have and, and the coaching that Nate Oates has instilled in this in this program.
1: Yeah, and people are going to say that they lost to a, a lower-ranked team. And I think that that's going to play a role possibly in seeding. But with that being said they still played a top 20 team and played them well. They just ran into a brick wall in Marcus Howard and couldn't get past that. So overall, still really good performance for sure. So, Alex, my question to you is
0: how, how do the AP voters see this week for Buffalo? Where do you think they're going to have them? Currently, they're listed as 14 from last week. They go into Syracuse, win at the Dome. They go to Milwaukee, put on a spectacular showing, and get run into by a boss by a uh, buzzsaw in Marcus
1: Howard. Where do you have them sitting right now? I can't see them dropping that much further than where they are right now. I would say maybe, if anything, they'll they'll drop to where um, uh, Mar- uh, Marquette was at twenty, but. Not much further than that. Otherwise, I think it would just be unfair to that team that played so well and that just beat Syracuse, who was ranked at the time.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you. I think they're probably going to end up somewhere between 19 or 20. Um, The only problem is that, you know, people are still going to look down on them as a mid-major, even though they've earned their right to be in the at-large discussion, if not secured and at large provided the the mac conference games go well sure um i don't really see them dropping out of much past there um but you never know especially with the ap voting right now the way it is you know we we talked about guys who do some untraditional things last week in the podcast if you want to check that out and you know you never really know and People always say, oh, AP poll doesn't mean anything. You know, St. John's is one of those teams that, where they're, that's their mantra right now because they are not ranked. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think at the end of the day, people know when you're ranked, people know who you are. They consider you much higher. And I don't want people to sleep on Buffalo because what they were able to do with their first, you know, 12 games this year so far have been absolutely incredible. And I think this team deserves a lot of credit. And I hope they get it. All right, moving on to Queens. So St. John's, I was at the game on, what was it, Wednesday? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was at the game on Wednesday where they destroyed St. Francis as, as was pretty much expected, um, especially with this cupcake schedule that they have. You know, everyone's mm-hmm. criticizing them for that. Um, you know, they have a game against Sacred Heart coming up. I think that should be easily handled as well. It's at home. You know, the team looked great last game. They're one of six unbeaten teams, you know, with UB and Furman both losing last night. Does that sway you as an AP voter, that in itself,
1: Alex? I think it has to, regardless of any team that is undefeated this far into the season, has to be recognized. I don't care if they're a top 20 team, but they deserve to be a top 25 team. Regardless of schedule, regardless of strength of schedule, it's still an impressive feat to come this far and be undefeated, and to to for the AP voters to not recognize that and to not sh- like allow them to have that satisfaction of being in the top twenty five is kind of disrespectful at this point. I agree
0: with you there. I mean, the the one thing that does hurt them, and that's what everyone's been calling them out for this year, is. The lack of strength on their schedule, but like you said, I mean, if if they can pull the win off against Sacred Heart uh, tonight, they're going to be twelve and zero. I don't see how much longer you can keep a team that's undefeated out of the rankings. Right. And with the fact that Furman, you know, Furman's going to fall out of the rankings. Um, yep. Arizona State, they lost to. Um, they lost earlier this week. Mm-hmm. You know, you have uh, Houston. That Linden. I mean, they're also still unbeaten, but they did not look great against St. Louis, and they're they're currently in the rankings. So, you know, it's, it's kind of a discretionary call, I guess, at this point. But right. if it were up to me, I think I'd have them probably somewhere around 25. But we'll see come Monday uh, what the voters decide on. I mean, looking forward, though, at their schedule, they're definitely going to have opportunities to earn that if they aren't put in come Monday. And right. looking forward, they, they have Seton Hall, which is going to be a tough game because Miles Powell has, you know, been incredible this year. He's making his name with the likes of Pons and Howard for Big East Player of the Year. So it, it'll definitely be interesting. Their defense is going to be a point of interest, I think, for Mullen in the upcoming practices. And if they can make the adjustments, I would, I, you know, I think they have the talent to win that game.
1: Mm-hmm. I would agree with you.
0: That said, you know, looking one game past that, they play Marquette. <laughs> and I think that's the matchup that everyone's looking forward to. I know right. I between Pons and Howard, the two potential Big East Player of the Year candidates. So it's not going to be an easy schedule for St. John's. And I think if they can weather the storm and they can do uh, put on a respectable performance in all their games, I, you know, I, I have them finishing at the top of the Big East. And I know a lot of people you know, may not feel that way. I have them at least in second behind Marquette. What's your take on that?
1: Um, I would agree with you. The Big East in recent years, as we all know, has not been the, the dominant powerhouse that it had been in the past. So um it's looking like St. John's is going to be in the top of tops of that ranking. With that, you know, we'll have to see how that game against Marquette turns out. But I would say that if they if they split that season uh matchup one and one, then I think that St John's will have the edge going into the end of the season, yeah, I mean definitely the out of conference for Marquette is definitely stronger.
0: I'll give them that, and they have some great wins, and you know conversely compared to Saint John's where there's no real great wins on their resume as of yet, right um but we'll see. You know, Villanova could always rear its head, never count out uh, GQ. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, uh, Providence has looked pretty well. Um, So we'll see. We'll see where the Big East turns out. I think big takeaways, though, for Mullen is how he can integrate bringing back C.D. Kata, who's coming off the injury, and Greg Williams, um, who made a name for himself last game, really, uh, against St. Francis. You know, the freshman out of Louisiana was... He showed great decision making. He showed a lot of energy. He had a huge dunk that riled the crowd up. And I'd love to see Mullen continue to use him and work him into the lineup. I think he's a he's a pretty big energy guy, especially um, I'll compare him to a little bit of of carry for for Syracuse, just a, a sure, an yeah, energy yeah. guy that that can come off the bench, change a pace guy. Exactly. and can that can spark uh, that can spark a defense, that's for sure. He definitely has good hands. As for the rest of the freshmen, I really don't see them getting a ton of minutes going forward. You know, Erlington, he's a raw player, but he keeps his head up. You know, he's always has eyes in the back of his head. He knows what's going on. Roberts, to me, looks like he could be a bit of a player that may play a little erratic at times. So I don't really see him getting all that much usage unless there's something drastic that happens with foul trouble with Clark or Kata. So... You know, going forward, if Mullen can utilize the people that he has right now, and with the addition of Keda and Williams, I think the Big East is definitely going to be a, a great showing for St. John's this year, and I think it'll be a chance for them to silence some of the doubters.
1: So, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how they play and seeing if they can turn their season can turn it around a little bit in terms of how previous seasons have gone for them, for sure.
0: I agree. I agree. So, Alex, so there's one question that I wanted to pose to you Mm -hmm. regarding Buffalo. There's been a lot of speculation this season over what Nate Oates is going to do next year. Do you see him jumping ship and going to a high Division I program, potentially out west in the Pac-12? You know, there's going to be vacancies out there for sure at the end of this year. Do you see him pulling a Bobby Hurley and going to the likes of, you know, maybe UCLA?
1: Um, as of right now, probably not just based on number one, the ability he's shown to recruit to this current team that he has, but also the Nate, the Bobby Hurley situation was unique in that he felt disrespected by the school and by the, by the program. Um, and that's why I think the majority of the reason why he left, but Nate Oates has been shown to have a lot more respect in that program and it seems like they're honoring his performance and his ability to bring players in to this point so I don't see it being quite the same but that being said you know anytime you are offered a spot on a a coach a coaching spot on a bigger national stage it's always hard to say no so
0: yeah, it's going to be something to watch out for. I mean, the offers are definitely going to be lucrative. You know that. And I don't know if Buffalo is – He, I think he did just sign an extension as of last year with, with Buffalo, but I don't know if that's going to be enough to keep him there. I don't know what kind of promises they're potentially making to him to try and keep him around. But mm-hmm. I think if you're Buffalo, you have to do all that you can to try and entice Nate Oates to stay with your program because he is a game changer. He sets – that attitude in the locker room that you know you earn this, you work for it. And I think the players really bought into it and I think like you mentioned, the recruiting's been much better. I think they'll be able to get better kids the deeper that they are able to go into the season and to keep that high caliber play. You know, UB's on the on the national radar now. And yeah. I think Nate Oates knows that and I think the program knows that. I think the AD knows that. So It'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. I'd love him to stay and not go to, you know, another big program like the Pac-12. But you never really know. You know, like you said, a lucrative offer can come around. It's hard to say no to that. So we'll see. We'll see what's going on there. So let's move on to the matchup predictions. SJU versus Sacred Heart. I have them over Sacred Heart, 86 to 65. What's your What's your opinion?
1: Yeah, that was similar to what I had. I had uh seventy-eight sixty for Saint John's.
0: And moving on to Q's versus Arkansas State. So we mentioned Qs versus ODU and we all thought that was gonna be a gimme game. So you never really know what the Syracuse yeah. squad will keep you on yeah. your coach.
1: I uh I'm hoping that it's a bounce back game for Ty's battle and that he shows out and puts up hope like I, I wanna see like thirty points. Honestly, if at this point, if he's not able to score like a 30-point game against an Arkansas State team, then he's needs to stay another year and really refine his craft because scouts are going to be looking at him in games like this and seeing if he really has the skill set that they think. So that being said, I'm expecting a bounce-back game for the team, and I'll say Syracuse over Arkansas State 75-58. to
0: that's pretty close to what I have them at. I have Syracuse playing extremely angry in this one coming off the two-game slide. I have them 80-59. to 59. I think their offense is going to get going. And I think Tyus Battle is going to put on an insane performance. I think he's going to have another, I wouldn't say coming out party, but you know, it's going to be a revenge game for him, no doubt. Absolutely. And then lastly, UB versus Canisius. Playing at Canisius, which is basically a home game for Buffalo. What's right. What's your what's your, uh, what's your
1: take? Uh, I mean, in previous years, this would have been a decent game because somehow Canisius seemed to always play Buffalo well, and that made no sense to me because <laughs> of the vast disparity of how the team should have been. But that being said, with this current Syracuse team, I'm expecting it to be kind of a route. I'll say – Buffalo over Canisius. Let's go 82 to
0: 55. Okay, I also have it pretty much ending up in a route. I think UB, similar to Syracuse, is going to play extremely angry, and they're going to have a bounce back win, 89 to 66 Buffalo. So that that's it, every, everyone. You know, we we're closing up the the podcast. We're going to add a little extra tidbit in there. Bill Walton quote of the week for us. This week, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose it, so I'm going with his you know classic quote, I've milked a cow before and been milked. So there's your Bill Walton <laughs> quote of the week to close it out. Happy holidays, everyone. Thank you for Happy listening. Happy holidays, everybody. We'll be back next week with uh, some more breakdown of your favorite teams from New York. Take care, guys. Have a good one.